2 Kings chapter 22 this evening. Well, 2 Kings chapter number 22, this is again our study on the kings of Israel and Judah. We've completed all the kings of Israel, and now we are down to just four kings left in the nation of Judah. And uh, this is our 38th message in this series of messages. And tonight we're going to consider King Josiah. Now, many of you probably know the story uh, as given in 2 Kings 22. I think it's the corresponding passage of 2 Chronicles 33 or 34, one of, those, one of those chapters over there, I believe. And so many of you are probably familiar with the story. But I wonder if I said this tonight and you weren't familiar. Uh, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Success or failure, all right? I mean, what, what, do you, what do you put an eight-year-old in charge of that it often ends in success, all right? Uh, we've got to be very choosy and picky about what we would put an eight-year-old in charge of. And can you imagine becoming the king of a nation? Well, that's exactly what happens here with this young boy. And he turns out to be one of the greatest kings. In fact, we'll come back to chapter 22 in just a moment. But look at chapter 23, verse 25. This kind of is a summarization of his life. It says, And like unto him, that's speaking of Josiah, and like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, and with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. And so I can tell you tonight, give you the, uh, if you just want to fast forward to the end, it was a great success. And it wasn't because of him necessarily, but it was because he followed after the Lord completely and gave his life to the Lord and trusted the Lord. And so a great, great uh, passage of scripture here on him. I'd encourage you to go through and read 2 Kings 22 and 23. Again, the, the passage in Chronicles, the corresponding, just some great insight. We're going to read all of chapter 22. Uh, we won't preach on every t- part of this chapter this evening. Let's get a good idea about his life and his reign. And let's read starting in verse number 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand, Or to the left. And it came to pass in the eighteenth year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azilah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work. And have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house, unto carpenters and builders and masons, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand, because they dealt faithfully. And Helkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house 
and have delivered it into the hand of them that do, uh, that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribes showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. Now the renting of clothes, let me pause there. Give my Adam's apple a break from bending over and reading that. And my tight collar, but uh, and my fat neck. I could keep going on this, but... I was losing oxygen going to my brain there, so I had to stop. He heard the word of the Lord, he rent his clothes. And that is a sign of conviction, of being, being uh, smitten by the word of God. And I want to remind us this evening, it's a good spot to spot. I have it written in my Bible to do that. Uh, it wasn't just an emergency, but I, I had it in there. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. And God's word, I want to remind us, church, how, how powerful the word of God is because it's the living word of God. I was talking, I think it was to, is, is Matt LaRoche here this evening? The LaRoche is here? Hey, Matt. And uh, I was talking to him the other day, and he, he was talking about witnessing to some co-workers, and they didn't get saved. And I said, that's okay. I said, did you give them the word of God? And he said, I did. I said, the word of God will keep working in them. The word of God will keep convicting. The word of God will keep drawing. And so oftentimes maybe we don't get to see someone uh, uh, respond right there at the moment of your presentation or of the gospel presentation. But when they hear the scripture, that starts working on them. It is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is an amazing book. And for the first time, uh, Josiah is hearing it read, and it brings great conviction on him. He rents his clothes. Let's pick up again here. And the king commanded in verse 12, Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according to all that which is written concerning us. And Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam, and Akbor, and Shaphan, and Isaiah went unto Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tivka, uh, or Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelled in Jerusalem in the college, and they communed with her. Now I had to look that up, in the college. There was a university in Jerusalem, I didn't know about that. And I looked that up, and that's just talking about an outer part of the city, a newer part of the city that had been developed, probably, they said, underneath the, uh, the rule of Manassas. So that's college is referring to this other part of Jerusalem. And she said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me 
and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger, and all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into the grave in peace, and in thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Father, I pray that you'd help us this evening as we just spend a few moments considering this man, uh, this king. And Lord, how he got where he was at and how you used him. And uh, Father, I pray God that we could make the proper applications this evening in our own lives to help us today in 2022 and beyond, to help us as parents and grandparents, as spiritual leaders. Lord, as we live in these difficult and dark days that we're living in, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you guide us now in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me remind you a little bit about the heritage of Josiah. His grandfather was a man named Manasseh. Uh, we studied him just two kings ago. And he was one of the most wicked kings of the nation of Judah. You remember he reigned 55 years, a lengthy reign, the longest of all the reigns in either kingdom. And yet he was one of the most wicked kings uh, in either of the nations. And towards the end or the latter part of his reign, uh, he has gone into captivity for a brief period of time and he turns his heart to the Lord. And there is a true repentance and a true turning to the Lord and uh, there's a change in himself personally in the man Manasseh. It almost seems unfair. He's lived so wickedly for so long. And there towards the end of his life, he, he has this great revival or turn in his life personally. But it doesn't seem to have an effect on the nation. There's not much of a change. He's led them down such a path of wickedness that there's not much of a change in the nation of Judah. Well, after Manasseh dies, Josiah's father, Ammon, becomes the king. And it's right back to the wickedness. In fact, he is one of the most wicked kings of Israel as well. He's involved in all kinds of awful uh, practices from uh, doing things uh, of sacrificing children and and uh, 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 false god worship. It's just, he's an awful, awful king. And he only reigns for two years. And his, uh, excuse me, his servants assassinate him. Now the thought that we had between those two kings was Manasseh had this lengthy reign and God gave him much time, much opportunity, and he did turn to the Lord. When we brought the subject of Ammon up, I wanted to warn us, don't count on a lengthy time to get right with God. You may only have a short time. And so if the Lord's working in your heart tonight, you should respond. If the Lord's drawing in your heart this evening, you feel the conviction of the Lord tonight, you better respond because you're not promised tomorrow. There are accidents and tragedies and, and difficulties that happen every day in people's lives and you're not guaranteed tomorrow. 
Ammon only reigned for two years and he was gone. And that brings us to this eight-year-old king ruling the nation of Israel. I don't know of any eight-year-old, nor would I expect an eight-year-old to be capable of ruling a nation. But this is the case that we have. And as I read, they're saying that probably Josiah, as a young eight-year-old, probably hit very little. He had advisors, he had helpers, he had individuals that guided him and said this is probably what we should do. But ultimately it came down to him. And so we've got this unique situation And obviously, although not clearly stated that I can see in either passage, there must have been some good influences in the life of young Josiah. Some people that came alongside and made a difference in this young man's life. I thought of this. If my math and thinking is correct, uh, the uh, Manasseh... uh, When he died, Josiah would have been about six years old. And I wonder at those latter years of Manasseh's life, when there was a personal change, a personal revival, I wonder if he spent some time with little little Josiah. And I wonder if as a four or five-year-old, he was telling him about his own life and the struggles of his life, and I've gone down this path, and I've made all these mistakes, and, and, and it's not worth it. And I just wonder if there was some influence from a grandfather that's made some mistakes. Listen, there's, I, I'm not one for us glorifying our sinful past. I'm not for us highlighting the sins of our past. But I don't think there's anything wrong with warning our children and grandchildren and, and the youth that we have and under our influence of the, of the mistakes we have made, uh, of trying things that will not work and we know they will not work, to try to salvage them from making the same mistakes you have. You ever feel that way, dads, moms, uh, parents, uh, grandparents, that uh, we can see our kids going down a direction that we once went down? And perhaps Manasseh, brought his grandson close to him, says, I was, a, I was a wicked king for many years, and I'm trying to change some things in my life now. And perhaps that was a little bit of an influence in this young boy's life. That's a guess. We could look at his mother and his maternal grandfather that are mentioned in verse number 1 of chapter 22. As I've mentioned before, oftentimes... Character marks of individuals are often reflected in the meanings of their names. You've got Jedida, his mother, and that means beloved. And so I don't know, there's not a, maybe a whole lot we can see from that. But Adiah, his maternal grandfather, means Jehovah has adorned. We also learn of Adiah, he's from the tribe of Levi. This is a... A, a tribe that had a special recognition and, and service in the temple. And so perhaps there was some influence from his mother and his grandfather on his mom's side. There are two other spiritual leaders mentioned frequently in this passage surrounding Josiah, and it's the high priest named Hilkiah and a scribe named Shaphan. If you, as I read through there, you heard their names repeatedly, didn't you? You hear them in Second Chronicles edition as well. These were some men that no doubt had influenced him and had surrounded him. And someone that he looked 
up to. Now, whoever it was, no doubt, or multiple people, somebody influenced this eight-year-old little boy. I read a survey recently that was taken from public school teachers in 1950. Anybody here in school in 1950? We won't won't embarrass anybody there. They were asked, what were the major problems in in 1950? Here's what the teachers complained about. Students were constantly tardy, chewing gum, littering. Those were their top answers. A similar poll was taken amongst teachers in 1990, 40 years later. A generation later, and the answers were quite different. Drug and alcohol abuse was mentioned. Assault and robbery. Those were some of their great concerns. We've got another seven and a half years till we get to this next poll in 2030. I wonder what the answers will be in that era. The point being is we've seen a decline in our society, haven't we? We're becoming a more and more wicked society. A, a, we're living in a wicked days. It's no longer Mayberry, is it? It's no longer Leave it to Beaver. We live in some difficult and trying times. But what this passage, I believe, shows us is that you can still raise godly kids that can make a difference even in an evil world. Parents, grandparents, influence your kids to live for God in these evil days that we live in. School teachers, Sunday school teachers, youth pastors, pastors, encourage these young people to live for the Lord. This evening, these kids sang a song, and I, I don't know the, the paper's up here somewhere, but somewhere in there it says uh, they're, they're, they're pleading to the Lord that he would let them live faithfully for them. They're, they're born again. And young people, I trust you were listening to what you sang this evening, and I trust that will be your heart's desire. You can live godly in this present world, in this wicked world that we live in. You can make a difference in this world. It's not impossible. Parents, God has called you at this time. Grandparents, God has called you at this time. He's given these children of your, in, under your influence. Youth pastors, Sunday school teachers, uh, pastors and, and school teachers. Listen, we have an, a, a responsibility to encourage these young people to leave, to live godly in these trying days. I saw in my studies a short three-point outline I want to share with you very quickly here. Number one, Josiah lived in evil days. So do we. Josiah lived in evil days, and so do we. Hold your place here, but go back with me, if you are over with me, to the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Not only do we live in evil days, I believe we're living in the last days. Paul, writing this letter to Timothy, he emphasizes some things of what to expect in those last and perilous times. 
2 Timothy chapter number 3, notice with me verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous or difficult times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. It is true that we are living in evil days, but remember, there are scriptures full of individuals that lived in difficult and evil times. And they remained faithful to God. They did what God called them to do. They made a difference in their world. You're going to see here in just a moment the difference that Josiah makes in his, in his young life. So number one, Josiah lived in evil days, so do we. Number two, Josiah sought the Lord and obeyed his word, so can we. He sought after the word of God. They come to him and said, we found the book of the law. Lots of questions why the book of the law was lost. Had Manasseh gotten rid of it? Had, uh, had Ammon gotten rid of it? Some reason the book of the law has been lost. They're in there cleaning up the temple. Did you notice that? He says, hey, go there, collect money. Let's start getting the house of God in order. And while they're in cleaning up, the high priest comes across the word of God. Can you imagine that excitement that day when he came across the law? When he saw this, what, is this it? I, I haven't seen this in years. Or maybe he's never seen it. And he opens it up and he begins to see this. And this message comes to Josiah. And he begins to hear the word of God written. It convicts him. He rents his clothes. He says, seek, inquire of the Lord what this means for us. It made a difference in his life. Josiah sought the Lord and he obeyed the Lord. So can we. You cannot stand before God one day as a believer and say, God, I lived in 2022 and it was really hard. It was really rough, Lord. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was, it was such an evil time. That's not going to stand. You've got the word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit. Let's live for the Lord. Josiah lived in evil days. So do we. Josiah sought the Lord and obeyed his word. So can we. God worked through, through Josiah. Number three, he can work through us. Turn to chapter 23 now of 2 Kings. 2 Kings 23. And let's just look at eight verses here. Now again, this is, they've read the, the law, they've inquired, what does this mean? God's going to send judgment, but he's going to spare Josiah. He's not going to have to see this. So what does Josiah do? Chapter 23, verse 1. And the king sent... And they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priest and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant from the words of this covenant and the written in the book that were written in the book, and all the people stood to the covenant. 
And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priest of the second order, and the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes out of them unto Bethel. And he put down the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to all the host of heaven. And he brought out of the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto the brook of Kidron and burned it at the brook of Kidron and stamped it to a small powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And he brake down the house of the Sodomites and were by the house of the Lord that, that were by the house of the Lord where woven uh, where women wove hangings for the grove. And he brought all the priests out of the city of Judah and defiled the high places where the priest had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba and break down the high places of the gates that were in the entering of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were of man's left hand at the gate of the city. Do you see how bad it has gotten there? In the temple of God, there are vessels, there are idols made for the worship of Baal, made for the worship of the stars and the planets right next door to the temple was a house of the Sodomites. I mean, this, this has gotten out of hand. This has gone way above uh, what, what, what we would ever think could have happened in Jerusalem, in the temple. All these things have happened. And now Josiah hears the word of God. He gets right with the word of God and he goes to making a difference in his time, in his world, in his situation. You know, he could have thought, Hey, God's promised me I'm not going to see the destruction. I'm not going to see his judgment upon upon this nation. I'm just going to go and live my life. No, he's going to still try and make a difference. He's still going to try and go and, and accomplish something for the Lord. And so God worked through Josiah in these evil days. He can work through us. Do you believe God can still save people in these days that we live in? Hasn't it been good to see the baptismal waters stirred periodically here? Wouldn't it be great to see them stirred every week? God can do that. But he wants to use the church. He wants to use us. He wants us to get, get, get this in our hearts that we can make a difference through him. Uh, wouldn't it be great to see our attendance rolls going up rather than staying flat? That can happen. It can happen in these evil days. Wouldn't it be great to see our missions money keep going up? That can happen even in these days when we follow after God. We obey his word. Listen, God worked through Josiah. He can work through us. And so I plead with our parents, our grandparents, teachers and Sunday school teachers and youth pastors and pastors, we have no choice in this matter. This is the time God has called us to live. He's called us to live during these times. God does not make mistakes. Church, I believe the finish line is just around the corner. Let's stay faithful. 
Let's be, let's be aggressive in these last days. Trust God. Remember this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then, young people, I would challenge you this evening. You also didn't have a choice about when you, when you were born, what kind of world you would live, live in. You live in challenging days, but you can be a difference maker. Young people, you turn with me to one more passage. All of our young people, turn to 2 Chronicles 34. 2 Chronicles 34. And notice this testimony about Josiah. Second Chronicles 34, he says, for, verse 3, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Young people, if you were here last week, do you remember that testimony I gave you? Sitting on that bus with that, that older teenager in my youth group or in my high school team there, and we had that discussion about what we would do someday Someday when we become adults, someday when we're married, someday when we have, that's when we thought we would start living for the Lord. We were reminding you last week that Ammon didn't have that chance. God took him after two years of a reign. We don't know when God may take us out of here, but you don't have to wait till you're an adult. While he was a young man, he began to follow after the Lord. I'm not talking about just teenagers this evening. I'm talking about third and fourth graders. I'm talking about eight-year-olds. You can start following after the Lord right now, making a difference in your world right now. So in this evil world that we live in, young people, will you seek after the Lord? Will you follow him, trust him, and will you make a difference in this world? I trust we all will be a Josiah, be like a Josiah, in this evil, evil world that we live in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this evening? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jan is going to come and play a verse of invitation. God has called us at a very exciting time in this world. I believe we're in the last of the last days. The Lord's return is nigh. We may get to be part of that group that doesn't experience death, but experiences the rapture. Think about that. A unique time in our world. But along with that comes evilness, wickedness. And God is calling us to remain faithful, to be different, to make a difference in these evil and difficult days. Listen, if the Lord's talking, touching your heart this evening, we want you to respond there at your pew, here at this altar this evening. Let's be obedient to the Lord at this invitation. Father, I pray that you take these few moments, Lord, as we have a time of decision, time of commitment. Lord, I pray that you've touched some parents' hearts this evening, some grandparents' hearts, some school teachers and Sunday school teachers and youth pastors, that you've touched some young people's hearts this evening, God. We can be a godly influence in a wicked time, make a difference in an evil world. So Lord, would you use this invitation for your honor and your glory in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you please stand with me as the piano begins to play? The Lord's touched your heart. The altar's available or right there at your pew. Let's be obedient to the Lord this evening.